is Bean to Barstool, a podcast that looks at the intersections of craft beer and craft chocolate. My name is David Nelson. I'm a professional beer writer and an advanced Cicerone and the creator and host of this show. The music for this episode is by my dear friend, indie folk musician Anna P.S. You can find out more about Anna's music in the show notes or at her website, annapsmusic.com. You can find links and information about our guests in the show notes as well. I hope you enjoy this episode of Bean to Barstool. French Broad Chocolates in Asheville, North Carolina provides cacao for a lot of craft breweries, which means we've talked about them and with them quite a few times on Bean to Barstool. Co-founder J.L. Skeffington has been interviewed in multiple episodes. I did a special episode about their Father's Day beer-infused bonbons a while back. And in the fall, we talked with them in preparation for two nights of beer and chocolate events I led with them. A lot of the chocolate beers that came out of these collaborations tend to be pretty limited releases that don't make it far from a brewery's taproom and might only be available at certain times of year. One Asheville brewery works with French Broad Cacao for a line of chocolate imperial stouts that gets brewed year-round in large batches and actually sees meaningful distribution into other markets. Highwire Brewing 10W40 is an imperial stout brewed with French Broad Cacao, local coffee, and Ugandan vanilla, and it's one of the brewery's most popular beers. They've used that sturdy base as a platform for dozens of different flavored variants, from blueberry crumble to Vietnamese coffee to the brand new chocolate taco version. With distribution throughout much of the eastern Midwest and southern East Coast and almost a dozen taproom locations throughout those states, these beers are actually pretty available to a lot of drinkers. In this episode, we talk with Peter Batinsky, head brewer at Highwire's South Slope location in Asheville, where he trials many of Highwire's beers and leads innovation, and Hank Marshall, head brewer at The Big Top, Highwire's production brewery near Biltmore Village in Asheville. Peter and Hank talk about developing new variants of Tendub, the process of brewing the base beer, and the related beers that have sprung off from the Tendub family. I hope you enjoy this episode of Bean to Barstool. base beer is uh, kind of like a big roasty chocolatey stout kind of thinking old school stout but making some room for kind of all your adjuncts and whatnot so you're kind of appealing to folks that will you know enjoy a big stout but also you know some additions here and there of fruit or extra chocolate or some other wild flavors that we can add in that's hank marshall highwire's head production brewer talking about the base version of 10w40 I sat down with Hank and Peter Batinsky to talk all about the 10W40 family and started by asking about the additional ingredients that go into the base version to create a nuanced starting flavor profile to support a wide range of variants. Yeah, so we've got the cacao nibs, so that's the main chocolate. We've got Ugandan vanilla and a dark roast from a local coffee roaster. And is that always the same coffee roaster or does that switch around? Uh, about 99% of the time, it's going to be dynamite, which is kind of the base recipe. Um, if we're looking to switch it up, we've done that in the past on things like the Vietnamese coffee variant, where we did a cupping with a, another local roaster and kind of dialed it for a, a different profile. And that uh, that roaster was high noon. Uh, you should definitely give her a shout out. Her coffee's killer. She's not that big of a company, does custom blends and all that stuff. And she 
was a bartender here for like what seven or eight years and also in the coffee roasting business yeah what she does is kill her. She's just not that big of an operation. Dynamite, on the other hand, is what fucking enormous. Yeah, they're, yeah. <laughs> so you guys do so many different variants on top of this base beer. What is it about the base 10W40 that you feel like is such a flexible platform? What makes it distinctive that allows it to work for so many different flavor profiles? One of the reasons I feel like it hit first was... Like Highwire was doing like a lactose fueled big stout, not lactose fueled, but lactose incorporated stout before like a lot of people were doing it. I feel like, cause I remember I was sitting in a local bar right next to my house, trying that and just being like, damn, like, you know, not enough people are doing sweet stouts. Like it was us and like duck rabbit. And it just like, they existed, but it wasn't as heavy as it is now where, you know, you can get beers finishing where other beers start. Right. So the other thing is like, if you try Tenda by itself, it's a, just a damn good milk stout, man. Like that's it. And like, it's, it's chocolatey. It's not too chocolatey. It's roasty. It's not too roasty. So we have all these things to play off of. And those initial malt and beer flavors are really like kind of soft. And so that allows us to work off of it into other dynamics. Cause you know, one beer we were going to talk to you about right here is this, we have a chocolate taco. Tenda. <laughs> if, if that was too roasty, that beer wouldn't work, you know? So. Sure. That's fun. We'll get more on that beer in a little bit. That's the first I've seen that one. <laughs> Seems like you guys are always kicking out new ones. And I'm like, oh, didn't think of that. <laughs> it's getting hard, man. We're almost like wondering what, what else is left. So you guys work with French Broad Chocolates there in Asheville, well-known bean-to-bar chocolate company. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with them uh, and how that works in the space for uh, using their stuff for your beer. French Broad is always willing to do custom this, custom that, whatever we want. And that's like the benefit of that relationship is does this beer need a certain flavor from a certain kind of chocolate? They're there to make that happen. Like that's the beauty of that relationship. And their level of knowledge is unprecedented. Like anytime I've talked to other chocolate chocolatiers, I guess, when I mentioned French broad in town, they're like, oh yeah, we know them. Like everyone knows them. Like they're uh, definitely a, a great resource. And do you always use the same nibs from them or the same products or do you use a blend or whatever they have available? How does that work? So the the nibs that we get are, are made to order. So it's kind of whatever's coming down the line at the time. And there's, you know, we're not getting a ton of nuance from the nibs. So we're not looking for any kind of specific other than kind of the chocolatey, that nutty pro- profile that they're giving off. So typically, you know, whatever they're, they're processing in the moment for the nibs portion uh, is good with us. So there's not really like an, an origin selection process where you're picking a specific bean for a specific version or anything. There is not an origin selection process now. Sure. Let's talk about how you use the cacao and the other adjuncts in this beer. How do you infuse those flavors when you're brewing the beer? So once the beer is finished, transferred into Bright, we're actually recirculating the finished beer on the nibs and on the coffee. So it's in a hop back style vessel. It gets about a four hour research and it's just, you know, in a fine mesh bag and circulating through and that's where it's picking up all its flavor. The coffee is ground, so picking up a little bit more flavor from the coffee than you would if it was whole bean. And you're doing those both at the same time? That's correct. You don't find that one you know, does that quicker or slower than the other? You just put them both in for the same amount of time? Yeah, they might you know, pick one up faster or slower, but the way we've got the, the target profile set right now is, is the way that we've done it forever. So we're 
we're finding that, you know, you get a nice balance of the chocolate and the coffee with doing them together. And one's not going to be more stringent than the other or pulling a different flavor profile. And you guys said you're doing whole bean now? We're doing, we're doing uh, ground. Ground, yeah. So I think the Vietnamese topic would that get whole bean? I can't remember. I would think not because we've always done ground. Always done but ground. It could yeah. be something that we've changed up with that one. Yeah. And does that timing get changed at all based on what the finished version of the beer is going to be if you want more intensity or less intensity? Traditionally, if we're looking for more or less intensity, we'll you know remove some of the volume, but the timing stays the same, kind of based around the volume of beer in the tank, whereas the volume of the chocolate or the coffee as well will be changed if we're looking for more or less intensity. And you mentioned that you're using the fines in addition to the nibs. What do you feel like that adds beyond just using the nibs by themselves? You got this one? I... <laughs> To my knowledge, we aren't using the fines. You're not using the fines anymore? No, we're just using the nibs. Okay, because yeah. for a while there, they were using the fines for sure. And this was uh, an interesting project that me and uh, Luke worked on. And maybe it, uh, maybe it should come back in a minute because we, we were wondering what really came out of the fines. And so we did a really, really light blonde ale with fines in the mash just to see what we got out of it. So maybe we should chat about yeah, that because it was... Uh, <laughs> And then you mentioned vanilla. Is that going in at the same time or when are you adding that? Uh, so the vanilla is whole bean vanilla. Um, they're hand split by the brewers and that is steeped in the whirlpool throughout the entire whirlpool process. So it's hanging out in there until until the knockout is finished. So that's all extracted hot side. And you mentioned Ugandan. Is there a particular character you feel like you're getting from that origin? For me right <laughs> now, it's, it's, a, it's a very standard vanilla. Yeah. It's a very like when you think of... And because we're brewing like pastry stouts, like it's a very standard vanilla, not like an extract, but not far from it. The most recent vanillas that I've used here have been Ugandan. It's not Madagascar, but it's not far off. You have so many flavor concepts for this lineup, like we just discussed. You've got the chocolate taco that you just showed me. I've had everything from blueberry crumble to triple chocolate, all sorts of different stuff. How do you come up with those concepts and what is the development process to get them dialed in? Sitting around in a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Just I mean, kind of picking people's yeah. brains about, you know, what's your favorite dessert? What's your yeah. you know, favorite past childhood sort of flavors? You know, we're kind of diving in past desserts at this point. We've got a Mexican hot chocolate that we've done. We've done one that was researched on Palo Santo wood. So we're kind of just you know, bouncing all sorts of ideas off the walls and just seeing what we can play with because you know like peter said earlier this base is just phenomenal for just about any kind of adjunct or addition so we, we really have an opportunity to do everything from fruit to heat to even more sweetness yeah i feel like when this program first started like we uh it hadn't been done a ton before so there was a lot of ideas <laughs> and now we uh now we sit around a meeting and just kind of like <laughs> chat with each other and you know we got are we allowed to talk about the next one coming out yeah, we probably yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah like we got we have a, a mud slide coming out. Oh, nice! Like, yeah, which should be really good. Yeah, like that was a, a there's a crew yeah. of folks that uh, enjoy going over to the local Fridays when they're in town. <laughs> uh, the mud yeah. slide is kind of their go-to drink there, so yeah. we're we're pulling this one off for them. Yeah, and I mean it's good. It's damn good. Yeah. So what's going into that one to achieve that? Uh, this one, unfortunately, will be. No cacao nibs. We'll be looking at extract flavors um, yeah. to really just impart that big, you know, chocolate syrupy kind of Irish cream and even a little bit of tinge of rum to kind of round everything out there. Yeah, we had uh, me and Luke had like a, a, a moment that was really important to me in rescue development where like we were brewing a horchata 
And we realized that when you go out and you drink a horchata, like the small Mexican restaurant didn't source local or vanilla beans and then extract them and make that. It's a, there's a time and a place for a, a cheap tasting syrup. Sure. That's what a mudslide is. It's like Friday's isn't out there with Peruvian. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So let's say you come up with a, an idea. You know, I, I mentioned the blueberry crumble. That was one that really surprised me that that worked. You come up with that idea. What happens from there? Like, where are you going? If it's not a relatively straightforward concept where you're just really highlighting chocolate or coffee or something, how do you say this is what we have to do to get to this kind of esoteric flavor concept? Uh, we've got a few, you know, great suppliers, Cascade beer candy syrups uh, is one actually they were part of the uh the blueberry crumble and they can dial in you know all sorts of cool flavors one-off ideas that we've got to add these syrups to the whirlpool that sort of thing so another one of my favorites is the coconut candy bar that we did so there's a big coconut syrup edition uh, but they also send along all of the actual coconut in bags so we end up hanging yeah. the whole coconut fiber in the whirlpool so that's getting steeped hot side as well so they're awesome to work with and they're you know they're great to kind of dial in things that may not even be on their their list of syrups that they make yeah. they're like so like soaking blueberries and candy syrup and doing all this stuff and makes ease of application easier and this dude's product is killer so we'll be right back Hey everyone, 5th Street Brew Pub in Dayton, Ohio is one of our sponsors at Bean to Barstool and Final Gravity, our print beer zine, and they just happen to be one of my favorite hometown breweries. They're one of the only cooperatively owned breweries in the country, a testament to their community focus and support. Inside a building from the 1850s in the historic neighborhood of St. Anne's Hill, 5th Street Brew Pub offers a warm, cozy atmosphere and excellent beer and food. And you can take your favorite beers to go with their Gem City Swing Tops. Elegant swing top bottles filled straight from the taps with regular favorites like St. Anne's Pills and Rough Gem Farmhouse Ale. Or current seasonals like Noel Belgian Dark Ale with Vanilla and Cinnamon or Velvet Anxiety, a bourbon barrel imperial stout brewed with cacao nibs from Mezzo Cacao. If you're in the Dayton area, head over to 5th Street to hang out or grab beer to go. And if you're visiting Dayton, and you should, make sure 5th Street is on your list. Cheers. On your side, is there much trial and error to get a finished beer right? Or do you not really have much opportunity to, you know, to test those out? Like we have so, we've done this so many times that like we wanted to do blueberry again. We want to do coconut again. I feel like we, we've done it. And like, we know like ratios and like, where to start. Yeah. We've got yeah. good consistency from these yeah. suppliers. And so we know that, you know, if blueberry hit at this number and then numbers are lining up for coconut and we can count on that being. Uh, like a similar intensity flavor profile wise. Um, and also with Peter's uh, small batch facility, we have the ability to really test things out on a small scale. If it's something that we're you know truly worried about or something that we're, is new to us, uh, we can run a, you know, a five barrel batch or we can run, you know, a couple gallons or even 15 barrels if we're really wanting to crank something out. Peter, is that coming up very often that you're testing these out? Like I was saying, like we have gotten to the point where we've like done so much of this that we really have it dialed in at the big top. It, is it was like twice a month we would be trialing new things for uh tend up up here now it's like a couple times a year yeah like they've really got it dialed in at the big top which is like it's great because speed of production man like it, it doesn't have to get trialed here wait for a result pass that off and it's also good for the customers because 
you know, if we brew a trial batch up here, we've got to serve it under a different name. Then somebody might have already seen it. And now just the big top does it like unseen, unheard of, good to go. What production size are you brewing 10W40 on? Typically uh, for these different variants, we're doing between 90 and 180 barrels, uh, just depending on you know what the, the request for that, that time around was. So the, the one coming up, for example, the mudslide, I think we're somewhere around 150 barrels. So that'll be five batches. And are there any variants that are year round or that are consistently around? Uh, the the base consistent, yeah, the base. So we, we run the base uh, once or twice a year, I believe. And that, that stays consistent and true to, to what it was. I don't know. We all, and we all agree. Base, I, I think base is the best. The base is killer. Yeah, the base is killer. Like make sure people know that. Like it's, it's so damn good. And the it sounds like a very like brewer's opinion. Like the base beer is the best. Well, everyone doesn't drink a full eight percent stout after work. You know, we're we're pretty good about taking a little sidecar. So you get your lager, and then you get a little you know four to six ounce pour of tin dub, and that's what a lot of folks are doing. And you, you get the opportunity to try all these different you know, variants that we've made, but you don't feel locked into drinking a, a six yeah. ounce pour of, uh, of an eight percent stout after work. Mexican hot chocolate was the most painful. <laughs> <laughs> the peppers. Carolina Reaper powder. It was like having tear gas in the fucking air. Oh my god! I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I, you know, I think some people would say some were harder than others just because there was more labor involved with mm. syrups or yeah. different research and that sort of thing. So, you know, some have gotten multiple research because we, you know, added wood chips or something like that. So, you know, different departments or you know, end up doing different things for some of these beers. Uh, so the you know the mudslide one coming up that will be easier on the brew deck and a little bit more work for the seller, but less work than normal for the seller because they're not researching. So, you know, everyone kind of has an opinion on what's been more work or not. And creme brulee was really difficult because um, we had to balance out. We added an actual ingredient for creme brulee. I can't remember, like, it was some type of, like, confectionery, like, almost like butter. And fat and beer don't mix. So to get the flavor right, we had to, like, hit this, like, very specific, very tiny amount. Hank, you mentioned having a, a small sidecar of this after the shift. This was part of the origin of 5W30, right? Was the idea of having a smaller version that you could drink more of? Talk a little bit about that beer. So 5W is kind of just a, a lower grab version of 10W. It's got a lot of the same malt bill. It's got vanilla, cacao nibs, and coffee, same roast. So we're just kind of you know talking about a, a 5%, 5.5% beer instead of an 8% beer. So that was something that you could just sit down and, and actually drink and enjoy and feel refreshed rather than kind of like you're having a meal afterwards. What's the response been to that? Do people kind of want the indulgence of the 10W40 or has there been a pretty good response to the lower? Yeah. The people yeah. want the, the indulgence. Yeah, uh, There's a time and a place for a low graph stout. And I think that's kind of one of those, those brewers beers, you know, like our, our light lagers that we enjoy. So, you know, the market is really trended towards these big, just aggressive flavored stouts. Well, on that note, let's talk about 20W50 at the other end of the spectrum. I got to taste that when I was there in November. Talk a little bit about the development of that beer and where it kind of sits in the portfolio for these. Uh, so this will be a good story to tell. So 20W50 started as I brewed a stout like right before COVID hit. It was this idea I had for a stout and it took me like three days to make it because it was like. Back when I had a barrel and a half system, I had to do all these different boils and three days of boiling beer for like six hours a day. 
And I asked the label designer, the owner's going to be pissed off about this. When I asked the label designer, I was like, just, just call it Sir Charles, which is named after my dog. <laughs> just, just make, just make the label. I'll put it in the bottles. And then we have to label it. And the, the beer ended up like killer. It ended up great. And so we decided to transform that into 20W50 and do our like bigger, no expense spare 20W50 line. And which we are, I'm revisiting some 10 dub actually, like actually the most current recipe about to come out. Uh, is a 20 dub 50 Simlop, which is a type of Swedish pastry. Hmm. Uh, it's a cardamom vanilla almond. And it, it's a flavor combo that I love. We'll see what people think. But we did, I tried to push that for, it's going to be 40 way back in the day. And it didn't take off. So we're going to try it on a, a higher ABV scale. And it's killer. It's great. We just canned it last week. I don't know when, when it's coming out, like within the next month or two. So right now, 20 W 50 is kind of revisiting some... Other batches of 20W50 and some batches of 10W40 that didn't not take off, but didn't that we think would be better at a higher graph sc- like uh, scale. And what uh, is the the strength on 20W? Uh, 13.2. Okay, cool. What's our final gravity on that? Oh man, last one finished at like 11, I think. <laughs> yeah, I can go grab it, but you know it's like a four hour boil. It's four to six hour boil. You know we boil to gravity for that one. Yeah, and then we have another, hopefully soon we're going to have the 20 Dub Cafe de Oya comeback, which is a type of Mexican coffee, uh, star anise, Mexican cinnamon, and Mexican chipas coffee. A pinch of cacao in that one. Not a whole lot, but just a pinch. And so hopefully that one will be coming back because when we produced that, it was killer, but we only made like, I don't know, 12 cases because we had such a small system up here back then. Sure. So when you're brewing on the smaller system uh, here downtown, are you using the same research method or are you just steeping? I'm going to use the same research method here because I just got the actual piece of equipment to do it. Yeah. Um, and it, it's dependent on what we're doing, though. I mean, cacao, I like to do like a, I have, because they're on a production scale, you know, things have to keep moving. Like I, if I have time, I like to do a cacao soak and then research in the morning, if possible. If I, you know, if I have time and the equipment allows me to be able to do that. Yeah. What have been the best sellers from the 10 W 40 family? King cake. Gotta be king cake. Is it? I don't know if it's king cake or not. King cake was like sold out day of, I think one match was. King cake was big. Best sellers. Kind of hard for me to say. They, they come and they go and, you know, some have set on the shelf for a little bit and others have just flown. I think one that was a hit at least in my eyes, was the Palo Santo aged one. Um, we did a research on Palo Santo wood. And this was kind of a, a summer variety that we did. And, and it, it kind of thinned it out just a hair and added this kind of wild tropical coconut uh, flavor profile to it. So it drank more, it drank like a lower ABV stout than it was just because that body wasn't as big. Um, but then had, a, you know, all the summer kind of you know, tropical aromas from that wood. So that was, that was really cool. Um, that sounds great. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to try that one. Do you have individual favorites from the lineup? Bourbon um, Barrel, man. Bourbon Barrel is great. Yeah. Uh, the Mexican Hot Chocolate was really good. The Coconut Candy Bar, I'm a big Mounds fan, so that was kind of our play there. Mm-hmm. So that one was killer. I like the Blueberry Crumble a lot as well. Yeah, that one really surprised me quite a bit. What are some other beers you've yeah. brewed that have used cacao? We did a, a Raspberry Chocolate oh, yeah, that was uh, great. Ale a couple years ago. So that was that was really cool. It was lactose vanilla, uh, fruited with raspberry. It's kind of like a, a light-ish base. 
So the uh, the chocolate really had an opportunity to shine in that one rather than kind of melding with the the grist the way it does in Tindub. So that you know allowed the cacao to pop along with the raspberry and kind of create you know like a Valentine's Day chocolate covered raspberry sort of vibe. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, tell us briefly about the chocolate taco since you showed me the can there. Well, we're gonna go ahead and have part of it in front of you. So I obviously. I tried this with my girlfriend last night, and uh, y'all nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> like nailed, nailed it. I mean, because like I don't know how to like describe. It. I mean, it comes through as like chocolate syrup and like ice cream, and like it just tastes like a chocolate taco from a gas station. Like it's like spot on. Yeah. How did you get the like the the waffle cone or whatever that part of the taco? How did you get that flavor in there? Want to talk about that one? Yeah, so we uh, we used the waffle powder in the fermenter. So we put it in the same way that we do a dry hop, you know, similar hop back system. And, you know, it was dumped in during primary fermentation, either day of knockout or the day after. So that way it's just cleaning everything up. And then we, we had some more natural flavoring heading in there and just kind of rounded everything out, really made that the powder pop and, you know, added that touch to the nose of, of like a crispy waffle. Yeah. It's there enough that you know it's there, the waffle, but it's not overpowering. Not that a waffle could ever be overpowering. I mean, granted that by the time you're done eating a waffle, you don't want another waffle usually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sounds really good. Uh, All right. Last question I'll ask you. Do either of you have a 10W40 concept that you would love to try at some point that you haven't had the chance to? Yeah, we have, um, I'm about to release a sour beer with Amberana wood. I'm sure you're, by now you're familiar with this. It's starting to take mm-hmm. off. So, I mean, we're going to do a 20 dub Amberana, and I'm sure that we could do a 10 dub Amberana. It would just take off like a Palo Santo would. Yeah. Not that to speak awesome. for Hank in terms of 10 dub. That's his project in 20's mind. But Amberana, and I'm really excited to bring back Jelly Donut to the 20 dub series, which is boysenberries and sweet cherries. So, not something new, but really excited to bring that back yeah cool hank how about you yeah i've been wanting to do you know like some big tropical fruit chocolate covered tropical fruit sort of go at it so papaya and mango and uh, pineapple that sort of thing dripping wet piece of fruit covered in chocolate summertime you know we've been releasing these beers all year long and and it's kind of easy to come up with stuff for the winter just because that's what the base is kind of spinning it off for for summer has been something fun to try A tropical fruit version of 10W40 sounds amazing, so I hope I get to try that one. You can tell from our conversation, there are so many variants of 10W, and I've been so impressed with how good even the more unusual versions have been. If you live in North or South Carolina, Virginia, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio, or Indiana, you should be able to track down these beers when they're released. Let me know what you end up trying. Check out highwirebrewing.com for a map of their taproom locations across their distribution area and visit the one nearest you. Thanks to Hank and Peter for coming on the show today and to all of you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Bean to Barstool. Bean to Barstool.